do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through?
Stand to your feet, church. Jesus is the Lord today. Let's continue our worship and lead and worship together and sing to the Lord together today. Jesus Christ, crucified, bled and died to save our lives. Giver of boundless love, faithful one to you we run. 
Lord Jesus, you are worthy of our praise today, and we lay ourselves at your feet today in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of anguish. Father, you are true, and you are powerful. And today, Lord, you have a word for us. We want to know those plans, and we need to be in your word. Help us to be challenged by that today. We lift our praise to you because you are worthy of our worship today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome, First Baptist Pineville guests and iCampus viewers. We're so glad that you are here. You may be seated. What a joy it is to have you in the house of the Lord today. If you're watching us online, we're so thankful that you are here. Do as Thomas said to fill out that connection card. Do all those things that are so important to help us connect with each other. And it's so great to see all of you face-to-face -face here in this room together today. If you are visiting with us, if this is your first time with us today, we are super glad that you are here. We want you to join our pastor and his wife at the close of our service so that he might greet you and give you a copy of his first book, The Privilege of Worship. It is our gift to you. You may also purchase his second book that has just recently come out. Just some great uh, tools of inspiration and encouragement for you from our pastor today. Again, welcome to worship. We stand amazed in the presence of the Lord. Amen. He is marvelous, and He is wonderful. We can't help but sing that worship. Amen? And I know you were just seated, but you can't sing this song when you're seated because it says, I stand amazed in the presence. Would you stand, and let's worship together. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Savior's
how the Lord loves to hear you sing this morning. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Great singing this morning, church family. And as we prepare to go into a time of prayer, I wanted to ask you to be in prayer for Nyla Perkins of our church fellowship. She'll be having quadruple bypass tomorrow. And as you know, this is such a challenging time for a family member, even a church member, to have a a major surgery like that because we can't be there. Uh, We can't. uh, And recovery and everything is difficult these days. So please be in prayer for Nyla. Uh, in the coming weeks especially. And I wanted to take a moment as we prepare to pray also to give you a little update on um, the COVID situation and where we are at a church. And I want to thank you uh, for your dedication and your adaptation during this very challenging season. We're walking through unprecedented uh, times that are filled with both misinformation and exaggeration on one side and good information and reality on the other. And it's sometimes hard to figure out what's what. And as an update, our in-person worship attendance is now running about 50 to 60% of our pre-COVID attendance, which is really quite good. I think the national average is running between 20 and 40%. And so we're excited to see that. In addition, we have between 100 and 150 devices watching live online every Sunday morning. And we know that many of those represent couples or families that are watching. And so it's quite plausible that our attendance each Sunday live is even greater than it was before COVID. And then there are other people who watch later on Sunday and during the week and things like that. So we're excited about that. And there's still plenty of room, as you all know who are here today, for other people to join us. Uh, We're far under 50% capacity in this room. Uh, We still have unused overflow video venues um, that are available. Uh, And every week we watch the Sunday numbers very carefully so that we can make any adjustments that we need to as attendance picks back up. Uh, Those of you who are here in person, I want to thank you for what you are doing to try to maintain social distancing. Uh, I see people uh, wearing masks as you come in and go out. I see you, uh, I only see hands and, and, and handshakes and hugs between two people who kind of agree in that awkward moment of do we do this or not. And uh, then I see that if you have a, a mask on, if somebody has a mask on, you put your mask on. And if they don't, then you feel free. We, and that's because we understand everyone has different opinions. Everybody has different risk factors and, and we're respectful of those. We've put hand sanitizing stations all around the church and we hope you're using those. Just be careful because it's liquid and not foam. You may have shocked yourself with that and it ran all over the place. So cup your hand real good there. And uh, we've added offering boxes in the last couple of weeks to continue that uh, hands-free kind of experience. And if you're at home and you'd love to come back to church but just aren't comfortable with the Sunday morning crowd, I'd encourage you to come on Wednesday night. And I'd encourage all of you to come on Wednesday night as well. Uh, You could literally have your own pew right now. And so if you need to have real big-time social distancing, you can do that on Wednesday night. Get to be here with the church family. We have powerful times of prayer. Uh, We got to celebrate this week um, a prayer we prayed on Wednesday night being answered uh, Thursday or Friday. can't remember exactly which day it was, but I'm so grateful to hear of that prayer. Our plans um, provide a way for everyone in our church, no matter their health condition, to come to either Sunday morning or Wednesday night or both and enjoy being with God's people while still being safe. And I want to thank you, whether you're at home or whether you're here in person, for just going along with the flow, which sometimes changes 
as the shifting wind. But I want to thank you for going along with this. As you can imagine, uh, it's been challenging for us as a staff to, to kind of figure everything out. We have um, people who are not here because we aren't all wearing masks. And then we have people who now are not here because we've asked you to wear a mask when you come and go. And so that's caused me to just repeat things that I've said over the last several months, which is leadership right now is an absolute blast. You're blasted if you go this way, and you're blasted if you go that way. <laughs> but I want to I just thank you, church, that uh, your overwhelming encouragement far exceeds any criticism that we've received. And I thank you for that. Um, you recognize we're doing the best we can. We're making the wisest decisions we know uh, to help our church press on, to be focused on God, involved in ministry, respected by peers, strengthened in faith, and transformed by Christ. And that's hard to do when most everything's shut down. But we're doing a, a pretty good job. And, and what's interesting is there's some people who are, are noticing that. All of our staff has been in contact with other leaders of other churches who've contacted us and, and said they're kind of watching what we're doing and some of them are even modeling some things they're doing after what we're doing and they're being encouraged by how we're regathering and even pattering some of their regatherings after us and so that's encouraging and should encourage all of you as well and we'll just keep on pressing on we'll get through this together some of us will get the virus hopefully none of them will be uh, serious uh, but we will do the best we can to continue to serve the Lord and worship Him together. This stuff will eventually end. And my prayer is that God will be glorified in it all. Would you join me in prayer now for God to eradicate this virus and to move us into a new and even more prosperous day of ministry? Our Father, we come before you this morning and, and our nation especially is gripped by uh, this virus and we've... Uh, we really don't know what to do. A lot of times we don't know what to believe. And it's a confusing time. And so, Lord, we, we just pray that you would bring about an eradication of this virus. Lord, we pray that you would help truth to prevail. We pray that the remedies, that the, um, any kind of thing that we need to, to eradicate this from a human perspective would come about. And Lord, we also pray that as the great physician, you would touch people's lives and you would, you would heal them. Lord, chances are all of us by now have known somebody who have contracted this virus. A few of us know some who've had it very seriously. And we pray, God, that you would be with those that we know who've contracted this and bring healing to them. And we pray that you protect everyone else from it. God, we thank you that through this time, you've allowed our church to press on. I'm grateful for our people who have, have given and who have served and who have stepped up, uh, maybe when they weren't quite sure if they should or not. But Lord, I'm grateful for the things that you have done. And I know that, Lord, you're going to continue to do great things. We pray, as we have prayed since the beginning of this, that you would use this time to bring about an awakening in our nation. Lord, fear has gripped our nation and fear is nothing but faith in the enemy and Lord we need to have faith in you today Lord especially as the church of Jesus Christ so Lord help us to stand up and be strong and Lord to have courage Lord to worship and to serve you 
God, I pray for a, a supernatural protection over your church. That, God, we might be able to serve you. Or that there be a difference in those who gather for worship and those who gather for other things. Lord, we pray that you would do a great work. God, we submit ourselves to you in that. Lord, we know in all this, your church has never shut down. In fact, you've used some of the circumstances to expand our reach. I know you've done that for us, and I pray that you continue to do that. Lord, amaze us with your power. Amaze us with your wonder is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Our God is perfect. He is flawless, and he keeps our way secure today. Amen. He is our cornerstone. Let's worship through this song together. Just stand. Let's sing to the Lord together. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' love.
Praise the Lord today. Thank you. You may be seated. Aren't you glad that the Lord is our cornerstone? He is Lord of all and does amazing work, and, and I just stand in awe of who He is and the way that He speaks to us and blesses us and challenges us. I love to look at building plans. Um, that's one reason I loved our renovation project, because I had lots of plans in my office that I could look at all the time. And, and that love for building plans uh, began when I was in about fifth grade, and my parents were planning to build their house. And um, mom and dad involved me in the plan selection process, and once we had that plan in mind and, and selected. Daddy ordered a set of plans from the company that had published those. He took them, and then for the next several months, he would sit down at our kitchen table at night, and he would draw, and he would adjust, and he tweaked that house to fit our family. And when he was done, we were so excited about what was going to be built one day, and then he rolled up the plans and set them beside his recliner in our den, and we waited, and we waited. And we waited, and we waited. Little did I know that I would do a whole lot of dreaming about that house. In fact, more, way more dreaming about that house than I would ever do living in that house. But every week, I would get home from school sometimes and sit in Daddy's recliner, and I'd lean over, and I'd pick up that set of plans, and I'd open them up across my lap, and I would look, and I would dream, and I would think about what it would be like to live in that house, what it would be like to have my new room and to have my friends over and what it'd be like even later on to come back with my family and be with mom and dad and enjoy that time together. That was fifth grade when all that started. We didn't move in until the middle of my freshman year of college. <laughs> if I'm really honest, 90% of the reason I chose to go to Louisiana College was so I could finally have my new room. And it was way better than any dorm room I could have had for sure. And I, I didn't realize that I was going to do a whole lot more dreaming than I would ever do living in that house. But thankfully, because I had a good imagination, I did a lot of living through those plans. I imagined my life fitting into those plans that were spread out before me. As we move through this series, perhaps you'll begin imagining your dream family. And you're imagining what that might look like and wondering how it could ever happen. And depending on the stage of your life, uh, you may have hopes for your marriage or for your kids or for your grandkids. And I want to encourage you to continue to dream about that. But I want to encourage you to dream the right dream. You must envision the right plan. And not just any plan will do. Not just any plan will do for God to work in your family. You need a divine plan to build your home. And that plan is right here in God's written word. We need to sit in our chairs to open this plan before us and imagine our family lives being lived out according to the plan in this book. We need to imagine every year of our lives and the different things that come our way, every challenge that could come to our family life, fitting into the plans that God has for us in his word, plans that we're going to see unfold in the coming weeks of this series. Now, to some people that may sound ridiculous, 
to look at the Bible for contemporary plans for a family. In fact, someone once wrote in one of their old history textbooks, in case of famine, eat this book. It's full of baloney. <laughs> in case of a flood, stand on this book. It's dry. You know, some people look at the Bible like that, like some outdated history book or boring philosophy book that is just full of baloney and dry and, and uninterested in what's going on today. But that is not the case. For the Bible is an exciting plan for home improvements, even though some may think it's utterly ridiculous. The problem with these people, though, is that they've never really opened the plan to look at it themselves. I read of a minister who was visiting one of his members and the lady of the house was trying to impress the preacher, of course, by how godly they were, by talking about this gigantic Bible on the bookcase. And she talked about it being the Lord's book and how they revered it in their family. And finally her son said, Mama, if that's God's book and it's so important, we need to return it to him because we never read it. <laughs> You've got to open the plans in order to know what's in the plans. You've got to open the plans to know what your dream should look like. And if you never study the plans, you won't know what to build. And so this morning we're going to get some help in developing this plan from James, who was the brother of Jesus. So I invite you to turn in the New Testament to James chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. Now, before you scan through that passage and you say, uh, I don't see anything about family, I don't see anything about parents or spouses or children mentioned here. You're right. You have a Ph.D. in theology right there. Look, it doesn't say anything about family here. What this passage tells us is it gives us a three-step plan for developing as followers of Christ. And it's a three-step plan, I think, that can be applied to developing our plans as families. Let's look at James chapter 1, verses 21 and following. He writes, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. And let's use this passage to dream the right dream and envision our lives fitting into that dream. So step one of following the plans is to gut your house. James says in the first part of verse 21, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Now, this step is going to be the whole focus of next week's message. We're going to gut your house next week. But when you're renovating any area of your house, you have to take some time with a sledgehammer and a crowbar and rip out the old. Now, demolition is rather fun and exhilarating. It is a manly kind of day. Busting out sheetrock and ripping out things. I mean, that's just, it's fun. But you know what else demolition sometimes does? Is it reveals hidden problems, 
that you didn't know you had. And sometimes, if you're not careful, it creates more problems <laughs> as you're going through. So you've got to be careful as you gut your house. And then you need to not stop there. Because while the gutting is kind of fun, the focus is not to gut it, it's to rebuild it. So you go in and you gut your house and you get rid of what James says is the moral filth. Some of that's related to bad attitudes and bad habits. Some of it's bad actions. Some of it's just pure evil that's crept in. Or some of it's just ways that you treat one another or talk to one another. And, and through the sledging and the crowbarring, you scoop all of that stuff out. You put it in a wheelbarrow and you haul it to the curb. And you say, Lord, I'm through with this. I repent of all of this stuff. That's why I'm getting rid of it and taking it to the curb. And then you start reconstructing. The goal is not to destruct, it's to construct. You can't stop with destruction. You've got to move on to construction. And so I want to focus this morning on the next two steps, which talk more about that. Step two is accept the plan. Look at the second part of verse 21. And humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you not only are we to get rid of all that sin junk James tells us we need to then accept the new plan that's going to guide the construction where we have gutted things out we must humbly accept the word planted in us which can save us we've got to come to the point where out of all the plans of the world we accept God's plan. Now, at times, he, his plan may not seem best to our human minds. It may go contrary to what the world thinks we should do. In our own pride, we might say, I'm not sure God's word is right. I'm not sure that his plan isn't outdated. I'm not sure that his plan is too strict. But James reminds us that God knows best. We've got to come before him in humility and accept his word. His word is the right plan for us. I mentioned that when mom and dad were planning to build, they involved me as a fifth grader in the plan selection process. And as I remember all these years later, daddy had looked through a bunch of plan books and had narrowed the plans down to about 10 different house plans that uh, we might choose from that kind of met our, met our needs and our wants. And then he, one night he got me and mom together in our den and he said, okay, look, I've narrowed this down and I've made copies of these plans for you and I want you to take them and study them and look at them. We'll meet together, have a family meeting and talk about them. And I remember as a fifth grader taking that little stack of five or ten plans and going in my bedroom and, and sitting on my bed and just studying them. Oh, I took it so serious. I looked at how many bedrooms there were. I mainly checked where my bedroom would be, what that would look like. I envisioned that house being on our property. I envisioned what it would be like to live. And we came back together, and then we all selected like our top three. And most of them were about the same. Daddy took those. He then ordered the plans, and we went on with that. But we selected the plan that was best for our family. And just as we had to decide on a plan for our house, you have to decide on a plan for your home. And there are a lot of plans out there, but there's one that needs to come to the top. There's one that everyone needs to agree on in your family. But the question is, which plan will you select? Will you select one of the many plans modeled by culture? And that may be popular, 
but they're probably not what God's Word says. Or you might say, well, I'm going to do exactly what my parents did. And that may or may not be a biblical plan. It may be an easy plan because at least you kind of have a model to think through as you're going forward. But it might not necessarily be a godly or biblical plan. You've got to pick God's plan. So the question then is, how in the world do you accept that plan? Well, James tells us how we should do so because he says this word is implanted in us. If, if you're a follower of Christ, the Lord dwells within you. And his word is within you, but also his Holy Spirit guides you as you encounter his written word to write more and more of that word upon your heart. And that giving of the word into your life helps to write that plan upon your heart. And that then helps us to go into the third step of the process, which is to follow the plans. We've gutted our house. We've accepted the plans. Well, then we've got to follow the plans. James says in verse 22 and following, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. The verse is better translated, Prove yourselves to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Hearers is the real word, not listeners. There's a difference between hearing and listening. On the one hand, hearing means the sound just passes through your ears. Hearing is a passive activity. But on the other hand, listening is both passive and active. You hear, but then you take what you hear, you process it in your thoughts, and then you apply it to your lives. Listening requires heeding what you hear. I'll give you a great example of this. How many of you ladies have ever tried to talk to your husband while he's watching TV or reading or looking at something on his phone? And you say something and it's like nothing happened, right? Let me cue you in on something. We hear you. We're just not listening to you. <laughs> Your voice is going through one ear and out the other, but we are focused on something else, so we don't listen. We don't engage with that conversation. That's the difference between hearing and listening. When it comes to the plans of God, we've got to not just hear it, we've got to listen to it. We've got to apply it to our lives. And, and let's be honest, we often hear biblical teaching without really listening to it. I mean, every Sunday, hundreds of people hear messages from this pulpit. Uh, hundreds of us study uh, in a Sunday school class. Or we even do a quiet time every day. And how many times does it just go in one ear and out the other? It's not really applied. If you want to follow God's plan for your family, you can't merely hear the plan or look at the plan. You've got to study the plan and follow that plan. You've got to do what it says. Why is that? Because you'll be blessed in what you do, he says at the end of verse 25. But to get to that point, James gives us an illustration of two men who look into a mirror. Uh, the first guy looks at the mirror, and he sees some things in himself he needs to change. Uh, maybe his hair is sticking up somewhere, or he's got a friend hanging out of his nose, or something's not quite right in his appearance. But when he sees that, he just forgets all about it. 
In fact, the word there is that he goes away, and it has the idea of going away and never even returning. It's like the person who hears but doesn't listen. He hears, but he doesn't do. The second guy, though, comes to the mirror, and Jesus says that this guy doesn't merely glance, but rather he looks intently or he gazes into the mirror. So, whereas the last guy just kind of walked by and went, eh, it's fine. This guy goes, wait a second. He fixes his hair, and he gets the friend out of his nose, and he maybe realizes something else that needs to be fixed about himself. He takes care of what needs to be changed Because he has seen the change and he's applied it to his life. He has both heard and he has listened. The careful looker does not forget God's truth. Instead, he becomes a doer. A.T. Robertson described the careful person this way. He says, the man remains by the side of the roll of the law spread out before him. And he rolls page after page with the keenest interest and zest until he rightly grasps the meaning of God. Then he puts that word into practice. When I read that, I immediately thought of myself sitting in my dad's recliner with those house plans spread out before me. Rolling each page after page in the keenest interest and zeal. And then watching that plan come to life many, many years later. James says the person who follows the plan, who doesn't forget what he has heard but does it, will be blessed by what he does. Underline that at the end of verse 25. He will be blessed in what he does. When you follow God's plan, you will get blessings. And when you don't follow God's plan, you won't see those blessings. Following the plan is important. Many of you know Brother Thomas and I served the same church together for a little while while we were in seminary and it's in Dallas-Fort Worth area and uh, that church had the most messed up floor plan of any church I've ever seen. We had no handicap access. In fact, there was one place where a ramp went up and you had to duck under the lip of a building to get to the next level. There were tiny little doorways. There were terrible bathrooms. We had large vestibules where we didn't need them and we had tiny little vestibules where we did need large ones and we never could understand why this was the best we could decide is that when the church had boomed in growth in the 60s and 70s they just built so fast to accommodate the people who were coming that they weren't able to develop a good plan but then that then one day as Thomas and I are prone to do we were digging around in closets and stuff and we found the original architectural rendering for the last major edition of the church. And as we looked at that, we were amazed. We said, look at this. If they would have just done the plan, we wouldn't be dealing with all the mess that we're dealing with today. Look, there's not supposed to be a tiny little foyer right there. There's supposed to be an actual entrance. Look, they were going to deal with those weird level issues. But what we found out was, when it came time to build, the church took the cheaper and what seemed to be the easier route instead of following the plan. And the result of not following the plan was 30 years of inadequate facilities. And I'm not sure that much of the decline that that church experienced 
in the 20 years before we were able to serve there was partly due to the crazy layout of those facilities. You see, there are other plans out there that seem easier. They seem less expensive. But in the end, they fail. When we follow God's plan, we reap blessings. If you don't follow the plan for your generation, then the succeeding generation will pay for it. But if you will follow the plan for your generation that God has laid out for you, then the generations past you will benefit from that in amazing ways. The result of following the plans will be a blessing of a made-over, improved, righteous family. So my question for you today is, will you accept and follow the plans today? Will you accept and follow whatever plan that God gives you? And if you will, if you would agree to following the plan, then I ask you to stand with me. Everyone thought for a moment, is that a rhetorical question or is that a real question? If you, if you will follow the plans, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your Bible in your hand and I want you to hold it up in the air. If it's on your phone, you can hold up your phone. Just know that I'm talking about the Bible and not your phone. And I want you to repeat after me. This is God's holy and true word. From this day forward, it will be the plan for my family. With God's help, I will love this plan. I will study this plan. I will follow this plan. I will not be cheap. I will not be lazy. God alone knows the blessings in store. For me, for my children, for my grandchildren, and for my great-grandchildren. My family will never be the same. In Jesus' name. May we pray together. Lord, we have committed to follow your plans this morning. And Lord, there will be challenges along the way. There will be all kind of distractions that want to steal us away from your perfect plan. But I pray, God, that we will follow it. Lord, help us to find joy in looking over your plan and in dreaming of the changes and transformation you'll take place in the years to come. Lord, give us the dedication we need. Help us do the hard work of cleaning things out and the hard work of rebuilding. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this lesson in James. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we move into our time of invitation, we're going to encourage you to respond to this message. It may be simply that you need to come and lift up your family in prayer. Maybe committing together anew to follow God's plan for your lives. And I'd encourage you to come. The altar's open for you to come and pray. It may also be that the Lord is moving in your life in some way to become a part of our church, or maybe you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and the Lord has spoken to your heart this week that you need to make that decision. And I encourage you to do that today, and if you're online, I encourage you to fill out that decision card so that we can follow up with you and know of your decision as well. As we sing this song of invitation, would you follow the Lord's leading in your life today? Let's sing.
We're thankful that you've joined us today, both here in person and those of you who are online. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't had an opportunity to give, you can do that at the boxes as you go out, or you can do that online, and we're glad that you've been so supportive of our ministry through financial resources, and so we pray the Lord's blessing you for that. We do want to introduce to you a new member of our church family. Rebecca, if you'd go ahead and come on up here and join me. I want to introduce you to everybody. Uh, This is Rebecca Cudd. She's been visiting with us for some time and been uh, prayerfully deciding about becoming a part of our church family. She's coming on promise of letter from a sister church. And so if you join me in welcoming her, would you say amen Amen. and give the Lord a hand as he continues to grow our church family. Uh, As part of our social distancing, we're not doing the normal come by and greet uh, after this, but I know you'll want to make Rebecca's accommodation. Everybody's waving from afar. And uh, we'll be sending uh, out her, uh, you know, her face and her information in our weekly updates so that hopefully you can reach out to her. And so I know that you're you're blessed by that. Kevin, you want to close us in prayer, please, sir? Father, thank you for the joy that's been our privilege today to be in this place. Father, we, take, we pray that you will, we will take heart to what our pastor has shared with us today, to live our lives according to your word. Father, would you bless us as we go now. Keep us safe. And Father, we will give you all of the praise and the glory as we live our lives for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.